Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to a bonus Saturday DFS episode. Matt Harmon from Yahoo here chatting with my buddy, my good pal, my friend, TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. A little pre-show business before we get into the meat of this DFS discussion here. Sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. I mean, come on. The Trade Hub, give me a break. I talked about this on the podcast in the middle of the week with Dalton, but the the, the stone worst question to get as an analyst, and TJ, I know you do more DFS stuff, but I'm sure you agree with this too, but the stone worst question is, here's my roster. Who should I trade for? I have, I, I that's, I don't know. Try to do a trade that's good for the other person. Yep. Try to also make it good for you. But you know what? The trade hub at Yahoo Fantasy Plus, that can actually help you much more than I can, maybe a little bit more than TJ can. It's hard to say. Anyways, take it for a test drive with a free trial. YahooFantasyFootball.com slash plus. All right, TJ. Week two. It was a, Week two was an interesting week. I, I think we had a pretty good week on, on the podcast overall. Yeah. I thought it was, it was pretty solid. Some of the picks turned out pretty well. Um, just before we jump into the play, the positions, the players, everything, uh, any kind of general thoughts about the way DFS has gone through the first two weeks or any big grand view ideas here? Yeah, um, definitely about k- kind of a, a week two lesson that, that's leading, leading into week three. Uh, and this is tournament specific but i i think one thing we don't talk so much about on this podcast but because we're focusing on values but a tournament uh idea in general that we're always talking about is how much we're going to play the most popular players or, or if we mm-hmm. should be playing the most popular players um and what's going to happen this week is we're going to have a lot of players the the most popular players they're not going to be that popular relative to other weeks because we have a lot of games the teams that are supposed to be very high scoring, those players are all going to suppress each other's roster rates. So in a typical week, you might see a few players that are on 35, 40, sometimes even 50% of tournament rosters. Last week, what's probably going to happen this week is the most popular players are going to be in maybe 25% of rosters at the most. So those are the weeks, those are the situations where you can be willing to roster the most popular players, even in the biggest tournaments like the Yahoo Baller, because our focus in tournaments isn't the individual roster rate of each player. It's how much of an overall roster rate does your lineup carry. And we usually kind of want to be in that like 10 to 15% range. 
So if no players are going to be in more than 25% of lineups, it's pretty easy to get your lineup to that low of a roster rate. You still need one or two unique players, but you don't need to be fading the most popular, the best values that we're going to be talking about this week. The lineup's kind of going to take care of that for you. That's a great point because I think you can end up putting yourself in kind of a bit of a brain pretzel with like, oh, this is going to be the most popular running back of the week or or whatever. But if it's only going to be 10, 15 percent, it's mm-hmm. much different than I would say, for an example, if like Dalvin Cook doesn't play this week and Alexander yes. Madison, like, you know, he's going to ends up becoming mm-hmm. the starting running back. And we've seen that we've with literally that player. Uh, we've seen yeah. that become a problem yeah. before, yes. too. And, like, you know, the ownership rate gets absurd. And then we talk about then he doesn't perform pretty well. And then it's just a real nightmare situation. So there is some I, – I, I totally get what you're saying with uh, the the strategy there. Let's dive right into uh, some players here. And starting with quarterback, uh, let's go for our most expensive guys and uh, then our, our cheaper guys. You start first with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson uh, priced at $35 against Detroit. Uh, he is four for four's top value across all positions. There's six quarterbacks with a higher salary than Lamar Jackson. Our QB two on four for four, a great scoring environment for Lamar. The Ravens are projected to score just under 29 points based on their implied point total. Detroit's allowed the most yards per pass attempt this season through two games. We haven't seen the ceiling game through the air from Lamar yet obviously had uh, pretty much a ceiling game last week on the Mm -hmm. ground over 100 yards on the ground two touchdowns Uh, I think he could put that all together this week against Detroit where we see him he's he has those spots where he'll sniff that 300 yard mark and obviously the touchdowns will come in bunches with Lamar Uh, against this Detroit defense this is one that he can attack through the air so 11 Lamar price down is the QB seven yeah, that's a great point. Just like the value relative to the rest of the quarterbacks and Lamar right now, I think is obviously as a rusher, we know what we're getting. But the fact that like Marquise Brown is playing extremely well, like Marquise Brown, people dogged on him so hard last year, but he and at times he definitely deserved it. Right. Sure. Like at times there was there were some pretty rough moments. But overall, like I, I think that he's really taken that next steps dating back to like week 12 of last year through the playoffs like yeah I, I think that the, that passing game is rounding into form and they still don't even have Rashad Bateman yet so I think the best is yet to come for Baltimore but this is a good week uh, to chase Lamar's ceiling I'm going to just talk about Kyler Murray here uh, he's the most expensive quarterback uh, I really thought about going with Matthew Stafford and I, I actually in our analyst lineup for Yahoo I did use Matthew Stafford at 36 but just wanted to share some of the notes on Kyler Murray here especially and um, number one facing Jacksonville there's your first note they stink they're terrible I mean what a nightmare of a defense what a nightmare of an overall team but Kyler Murray right now I think the reason that he has taken this step as a passer you know because we haven't even really seen his his rushing ceiling yet you know like compared to Lamar, we haven't seen the passing ceiling. We really haven't seen the rushing ceiling from Kyler Murray yet. But the reason the passing has taken the next step here and why I I think that he obviously is is expensive this week, but I think totally worth the salary. 15-plus air yard throws make up 25% of Kyler Murray's attempts right now. The previous average uh, over his first two years was 19%. 20-plus air yard throws 18% currently this year. Previous average was sub-13%. His overall yards per attempt has jumped up to 10.1, was barely over seven like the fact that they're gunning the ball down the field this year I think is huge for Murray's ceiling to the point that even if he is the most expensive quarterback on the slate great matchup uh he is still obviously you know all of his receivers are really rounding into form too with Rondale Moore uh making plays AJ Green like people 
people hate AJ Green at this point in his career, but he's he is helpful for them. I think the fact that they have like a competent four receiver set goes a long way for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, that was actually going to be my point about Kyler is last year it was his legs and he was throwing a nuke. And now you could argue that he has, yeah, four legitimate guys. I mean, say what you will about AJ, but we saw Kirk flash, uh, Christian Kirk flash week one, Rondell Moore flash last week. And don't forget about Max Williams. Max Williams was... Oh, uh, was we'll be talking his, about his, Max Williams he later. Work, he was getting some work last week as well. Yeah, we'll be talking about Max Williams later. Don't you don't you worry, my friend. <laughs> also, uh, the Cardinals are passing on forty three percent of their first downs. Their previous average was thirty four percent. Like that's also shows like the one guy that everybody has the most questions about is the damn head coach, play caller Cliff Kingsbury. But at least they're moving in the right direction yeah. in that fashion. All right, uh, who is your cheap quarterback this week? This is going to feel like a, a hold your nose play, but Daniel Jones at twenty five, and it, it <laughs> looks like we're it's it's not so much going to be that we love Daniel Jones, but we love playing quarterbacks against Atlanta. They just look like a team that we're going to be targeting week in and week out. Um, their last in raw quarterback fantasy points allowed through two games. They've already allowed eight touchdowns through the air. Um, but on, on the not hold your nose for Jones, he's depending on your scoring system. He's the QB four through two weeks. <laughs> Only Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts have more rushing yards than Daniel Jones. And that's the beautiful thing about fantasy football, right? Like we, so many people get caught up in this player's not good. Well, maybe you're right, but the way fantasy points are scored, especially if the quarterbacks is on the ground. And if he's going to be giving you 100 yard rushing games, we want to play them. Uh, The Giants have a 25.25 implied point total. And I think this can... I don't know if this game will shoot out, but the Giants have been around average pace, average plays. Falcons game have been pacing up, so they can push that Giants pace up a little bit too. So Jones can obviously get it done through the air against this defense. Uh, he's going to give you some some points on the ground, and then it can be a decently paced game too. Yeah, I think this game could shoot out. I think this could like be be one of those type of games and you know, this could be Kenny Galladay's bounce back game too. Mm-hmm. Like all the peripheral numbers for Kenny Galladay are there. Obviously just the results haven't been there yet. That could turn around this week. I know there's definitely a lot of people um willing to throw out the squeaky wheel uh, gets the grease theory with uh, Kenny Galladay this week after he was upset with Jason Garrett put a, get in line pal everybody's upset with Jason <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go simple here with this as well and just say Justin Fields at 23 um, you got to consider Justin Fields because he's scrambling I think on 16 percent of his dropbacks right now which is absurd I mean that is such a high number and basically what TJ just said if your guy's gonna run He's going to be good in fantasy at 23 bucks this week. I think you have to consider Justin Fields. It's not like the perfect matchup. Um, you know, Miles Garrett and company there against that, that Chicago offensive line is slightly troubling. But nevertheless, still think Mer, uh, still think Justin Fields can can get by with his legs alone. Yeah, I mean, probably a, a theme that we're going to be continuing throughout the year. Right, All four of the guys were talking about rushing quarterback rushing. Yes, is, uh, it is the key to fantasy. It really is, especially in daily fantasy. I feel like like that was the kind of the thing with Matthew Stafford and like Tom Brady this week. I love that game environment, but like there's no rushing upside there. So what's exactly what am I really doing? Yeah, and exactly. those, so, those are the guys that are uh, priced higher than Lamar. It's just it's a it's a crazy pricing week. Yeah, it definitely is. All right, let's move to running backs. Uh, I like your pick here for your most expensive one. 
I I like it, and it is kind. It's I don't want to say it's by default, but if we look at the high priced guys this week, um, you already talked about the Dalvin injury. We have CMC off the main slate. Uh, Derrick Henry, I think he'll be on the more popular side after his huge game last week. We don't know what to make of the Saints offense, so then we go down to Joe Mixon, uh, priced down as the RB six, and and you might say, well, that doesn't sound like he's priced down that far, RB6, he leads the league in percentage of team touches, 54% of team touches in each of the first two games. The Bengals are near the top of the league in neutral rush rate. And this is a game that uh, I think people, if they haven't looked at the spread, it's, it's going to be closer than they think. The spread's only three here. And this just looks like a pricing error. Like Joe Mixon is one of the yeah. players. I think he should be in that $35, $36 range based on his usage down at $29. It's, it's still a bargain for me. My guess on the pricing here is that he didn't have like a monster game in the box score in week two, and he's facing the Steelers, which I think always dings you a little bit. But mm-hmm. like every damn Steelers defender has like a bad groin right now. <laughs> yeah, like last yeah. week, literally every player was like out groin yep. injury out groin injury. I mean, we'll see who ends up playing this week, but it's still part of the factor here. Also, I saw Zach Taylor said that uh, just either today or yesterday, uh, Thursday, as we're recording this. We are we are just trying to we're trying to establish the run right now so that we bring like a safety out of the box or whatever. Like basically saying like yeah we're trying to be run first so then that we can pass. Which is like, but you drafted a receiver fifth overall. Why? <laughs> we don't have we don't have time to to analyze uh, the Bengals at this point. But uh, I will give you a twenty nine dollar running back as well. Austin Eckler love the fact that his passing usage was back up. Obviously nine catches. Did anybody expect Austin Eckler to not start catching passes? Obviously, of not. course he was going. Going to. Yeah, I hope not. Of course he was going to. You know, he was kind of the one Chargers guy that's well, I mean, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are absolutely crushing it. That game was that was the disappointment of last week, man. Oh. Um I should have known. We talked about Amari Mamari Cooper all last podcast, man. I never play I literally never play Amari Cooper in Daily Fantasy, except last week. Except uh, last week. So the, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's I, I was just as guilty. I mean, that that's just one of those game environments where penalties a couple touchdowns called back because of penalties we get a chance to rectify ourselves with the chargers that's a game uh i I don't think we're going to talk about a ton we we have i think one more player from that game but chargers uh chiefs is one that we should definitely be targeting all around he might actually be a nice little mini leverage play like i think he'll be somewhat popular but the pass catchers in that game will be much more popular so eckler's a really good uh pivot there yeah, and the Chiefs have been just crushed by running back so far. Uh, obviously, some of that, some of their rushing numbers are are beefed up because they just played Lamar Jackson. They also played the Browns in Week One, but still, they've allowed like four hundred plus yards on the ground through two games. Like it's, and they have you at least tried to. Um, They've tried to at least establish Austin Eckler as a traditional running back, too. So we'll see if they can do some more of that against a team that's allowed over 400 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground so far. Your next running back, by the way, I love this. I love this pick. Uh, I, I Again, this is just one that stands out as a straight salary error. Antonio Gibson pressed as the RB19, $18 on Yahoo. I think this is probably an overreaction to... The usage last week to the McKissick usage going into prime the time, year, prime time bias, baby. Prime, it's prime time bias. Exactly. And going into the year, like I, I think we expected McKissick to have some role in this offense. Um, we heard the 
Gibson is going to be the C- get the CMC role. In week one, we got the CMC usage. Everybody was thinking Gibson is going to see every running back touch for this offense all year. I mean, I, I don't think we should have been expecting that. I think a, a 65 to 70% of backfield touches is what we can expect, and that's still very high usage. 70% is kind of that like bell cow mark that we're looking for. We know he's going to get usage in the passing game, even after last week's low usage, still top eight in the league in team touch share. And I think that's probably about where he should settle, like top 10, top eight in running back touch share. Like he's not going to be number two, number three in the league, like we saw in week one, but that's okay. Um, the Bills have a, a really good pass rush, and I think they can use Antonio Gibson and McKissick still to neutralize that a little bit. But Gibson down is the RB19. That's just too low for me. Yeah, way too low at 19. I mean, people are like basically have thrown – all we did a segment this week for the survival kit about players were panicking on and people are literally peeing their pants about Antonio Gibson. It's like yeah. all of the good indicators that we got from week one. It's like they just threw them out because yeah. we saw JD McKissick have that big. McKissick did jack squat in week one, man. He had like one carry and was just basically yeah. pass blocking on all of his like passing snaps. You know, I mean, it, it's absurd that, like that we've just thrown this out. I have questions about this game overall, and we'll get to those later. But if there's one player I like, it is Antonio Gibson. I mean, it's, if you're listening to this too, and like you're in season long, I want to trade for Antonio Gibson. And people yeah. are clearly, like I said, freaking out. He is a guy that, um, and maybe I'm saying this because I you saying the one, answer like, is that's who you trade for when people ask you, who should I trade for? Is it Antonio Gibson? It's Antonio. It's okay, Antonio that's Gibson. The uh, okay, that's the that's the answer. Although usually, uh, because they've followed my draft advice, they have Antonio Gibson already, um, and that's why they're freaking out. Just like me, I have Antonio Gibson on all my teams too. So if anybody should have been puking about JD McKissick on week uh, two Thursday night football, it was me. But I'm all right. We're centered. We're remaining calm here. <laughs> my guy is also 18 bucks. Tyson Williams. Love that. Pretty simple here. Facing the Lions, I realize that there's going to be a committee situation here, obviously. Like, they're not just going to run Tyson Williams out there for every single snap. We know that. But I guess the way I kind of look at this Baltimore backfield right now is that Tyson Williams has kind of taken over the J.K. Dobbins role of this offense. And then Gus Edwards uh, has been basically replaced by Latavius Murray. Uh, and Latavius Murray's just kind of the, he might do a little more passing down work than Gus was going to do. But I think that's kind of like from a split perspective, whatever you are projecting for J.K. Dobbins going into the year, I think you can project, which probably means that J.K. Dobbins is a little overdrafted before he got yeah, hurt anyways. So, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but whatever you were projecting for J.K. Dobbins, you could probably just project Tyson Williams to be in that. By the way, Tyson Williams is like top three in uh, rushing yards over expectation according to Next Gen Stats because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were top three in that stat last year. It's just a great rushing ecosystem that you want to be invested in because of the fact if they were playing at home, I think he'd be even more of a smash. But still, we expect Baltimore to be in a positive game script over this um, uh, Lions team. They've been bad against the run. We know what Aaron Jones just did to them. We know what the 49ers did to them in week one. I think Tyson Williams is is a little too cheap at this price. Yeah, and I, I talked about Lamar, and we have a little bit more Ravens talk coming. So if you're playing multiple uh, GPP lineups, obviously you're not going to play Tyson and Lamar together, um, but but they're two guys that I, I think you could spread across your rosters. Um, it's so just cu- on that real quick, why you you would not play those two in the same lineup? Because my thought and my only like devil's advocate to this is that I do sometimes like to 
pair the quarterback and and the running back because especially if you think they're just going to smash the opposing team it's just an access to potentially all the touchdowns which I guess with Lamar you're kind of already getting that anyways because he's such a rushing threat on his own is that kind of the logic there or or am I an idiot for thinking no no I I think it's viable um in weeks where we we have a team where their implied point total is just blowing the field away Mm, um in a week like this where we have a lot of teams kind of bunched in a like 28 to 31 point range you're you're going to need to be probably a little more perfect unless you're just going with some kind of like huge Ravens team stack on both sides and hope the other games fail but they're just there's such a small likelihood of so many other games failing where cornering that one game is going to get you the nuts in a tournament whereas if if they were the only team projected for like 32 and everyone else is projected for 27 we can have like a, a easier narrative as to where not every there's not other teams that are are going to be getting five or six offensive touchdowns. I guess in a world like back in the Saints eras when it was Kamara and Drew Brees, it made sense. Um, you know, if the Chiefs had a good running back, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah. that's a whole other discussion <laughs> point there. But yeah, I get, which, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right, let's move to wide receivers here. Uh, starting off with your expensive guy. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts just about kind of this similar group of wide receivers, but we'll we'll talk it's about very that bunched more, up. more on Justin Jefferson at twenty eight dollars. Um, I know one of your favorite wide receivers just as a talent, but from a DFS and fantasy perspective, this is these are the opportunities we want to be jumping all over. I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to be ignored this week, but this is a spot where I think if he was already balling like we saw last week or doing what Thielen uh, has done in the first couple of weeks, he'd be a guy that's in like 35 or 40% of lineups. I think we're only going to see him in maybe 15 to 20% of lineups because Thielen is the top five uh, wide receiver in terms of fantasy scoring while Justin Jefferson's down like 28, 29. Um, and that's really just has come down to touchdown variance. Justin Jefferson, he leads the Vikings in targets. He's six in the league in share of air yards uh, and he's cheaper than Thielen. So this is just a spot where he's cheaper. He's probably going to be less popular or the same roster rate as Thielen, as well as a bunch of other wide receivers um, in these high scoring environments in the similar salary range. This is just a spot where Justin Jefferson turns that usage into the fantasy upside that we want to see against uh, Seahawks, where this game can just really shoot out. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this whole wide receiver section based on another part of the outline. So I'll yeah. save that because I, I, I like uh, I like the thought here. But anyways, obviously makes a ton of sense with uh, with with Justin Jefferson there. He's it's just has it just hasn't swung his way yet, but I think it absolutely could swing his way starting this week. Um, my guy is Calvin Ridley here. I think of probably will be a very ignored player in this range just because there are so many guys that are. There's guys like Justin Jefferson, then there's guys like obviously Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett and all that. We'll talk Debo, you know, well, Debo's not on the slate, but like around the same pricing range or whatever, the guys who have crushed it so far this year, I think they will be very attractive to folks. Calvin Ridley obviously has not quite had the start that people imagined yet. Um, the whole Falcons offense like has not been very good. And uh, I do think I mentioned this game earlier with Daniel Jones. Like I could, I could foresee a like sloppy shootout between these sure. two teams here. Two bad teams. I don't think the Giants are good. I definitely think that the Falcons are not good. The, all the opportunities there for Calvin Ridley. You know, the only guys who have seen he, there's only been um, five players who have seen more than fifty percent of their team's air yards. Brandon Cooks, Debo Samuel, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, and Devontae Smith. That Devontae Smith one is pretty interesting as well. But 
yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley, the opportunities there for him. Um, the targets have been there too. He's seen 18 targets. Like, so I'm not really concerned about him overall. And, you know, this Giants defense theoretically is good, but we saw Terry McLaurin cook up James Bradbury on Thursday night football. And like, Obviously, that's because Terry McLaurin is a superstar, in my opinion. But I also think Calvin Ridley is a superstar. So, like, good players can beat tough matchups. I think this is a situation where Calvin Ridley could do that at a pretty low ownership. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that stood out to me about Calvin Ridley when I, I looked this week, he's 35th in target share. Obviously, like you mentioned, his air yard share is up. Um, I, I don't think that is... A, a signal of things to come. He's a player that should be near the top of the league in target share. And, and his target, his target volume is fine. Like you mentioned, just because they have thrown so much already out, out of necessity. Uh, but I like that target share to climb up towards like that 25% that we expect him to see. And then that's where he really starts tapping into that Calvin Ridley that we expected when we were drafting him as a top 20 fantasy player. Boom. There we go. All right. Your cheaper receiver here um, is one who hasn't quite popped yet, but uh, a lot of people were optimistic heading into this year. Uh, yeah. And this is we you talked about uh, this game with Austin Eck and the Chiefs and Chargers is a game environment should be a very high scoring shootout. But one thing that we haven't seen from the Chiefs is if you're going to play them in DFS, it's basically been Mahomes, Kelsey or Tyreek. What we saw last week, they started getting their ancillary players involved. We saw mm-hmm. uh, Byron Pringle and Robinson. They both scored, but it was Michael Hardman that had a 28% target share and saw 51% of their air yards in week two. That's obviously not going to happen every single week because you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on your team. But the reason that happened... Baltimore did a very good job of bracketing Tyreek, taking him out of the game. Tyreek's not going to see four targets, whatever it was, every single game. But the Chargers have a similar defense in that they are very good at preventing the long plays. They've allowed just one completion on passes thrown 15 yards or more down the field. Now, can that be Hardman's game? Obviously, but I think when you look at that, what comes to mind is a defense that's going to look to take away Tyreek again. Um, that doesn't mean that Tyreek can't get his, but if you're playing this game and, and playing it in a lot of spots, me cool down at $11 just makes a lot of sense to have in your player pool. You know, I liked what I, I liked a lot of what I saw out of him in week two, and it's just going to, you know, it's, the salary is going to help you get some access to some higher players there. Um, exactly. I'll bring up Van Jefferson in this spot, like Ooh. as another cheaper player in a, a great game environment that we like, obviously with the Bucks and, and Rams there, two high scoring offenses. Van Jefferson at this point, like he's not, I'm not saying he's supplanted Robert Woods, but he's run more routes than Robert Woods has through two games. Like I think at the end of the day, obviously Robert Woods is the better player. He's going to be the better fantasy receiver. But the point of this is that Van Jefferson has clearly established himself as, as a role player on this team. You know, we, ha- he know, we know that he had the absurd uh, air yards mark from week one, the big long catch, but he still was at 11.3 uh, air yards per target in week two. Same amount of routes as Cooper cup in that game. Like, so the involvement is there for Van Jefferson. Jefferson and he's just a guy that I think could slip behind a secondary that's been okay but had some lighter has has had some rough moments through the first couple weeks the Bucks secondary is still young still growing obviously Sean Murphy bunting their slot corner is out right now so yeah I think Jefferson's just like a nice flyer in a very good game environment that also is seeing maybe not some overall target volume but at least some playing time in a good offense yeah and I mean we saw that 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 
wide receiver two or wide receiver three, pass catcher three role, however you want want to say it's going to play out. In LA, a team that's going to throw a lot and throw very efficiently after Cup and probably Woods. I mean, we saw Higby have his spike game in week one, fell off in week two. And I think Higby and Van Jefferson, they're going to see a lot of that back and forth. But uh, it's a offense where a a third player has a lot of upside because Stafford has is going to turn already has and is going to continue to keep this offense very efficient through the air. And I think the Rams defense is good still, but they're yep. not they're we knew they weren't going to be as good as last year, but they're certainly not just from a schematic standpoint. They're not quite doing the exact same things they did with Brandon Staley there last year. Obviously, Raheem Morris is a guy who's been around forever. So they're kind of doing a, doing a few th- things different there in L.A., which I think is going to you know lead this game to be more high scoring than it, you know, you'd usually imagine with a great defense like L.A. So I, I want to get a cheap piece here. I think Van Jefferson is the cheap piece. All right, let's move to tight ends. You're, you mentioned Baltimore earlier. We're back on Baltimore with this one. Yeah, Mark Andrews uh, at $19. Again, he just priced quite a bit lower than some of the top guys like like Kelsey and Waller. And we haven't seen that elite usage that we usually see from Mark Andrews that's similar to the Kelsey and Wallers and Kittles, um, but got back up to that 20% target share last week. Uh, and again, like we talked about with Calvin Ridley, I expect that to, to keep growing because this is an offense. Obviously, Sammy Watkins has been uh, involved early on, but we still expect that Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are the primary two targets. And the Lions, uh, they have allowed 78 yards or a touchdown in each of their first two games to opposing tight ends. We already talked about the fact that they've been one of the worst teams in terms of efficiency allowed through the air. And if Lamar Jackson's going to have a ceiling passing game, I like pairing him with his best touchdown scorer in Mark Andrews. You don't want to play Gronk this week at 25 again? Oh, man. We, did, we dogged did, on did Gronk we, pretty hard make, last. Did, did, somebody, we, did somebody make fun of, of the pricing <laughs> on, on Gronk? Because I thought the pricing was really sharp on Gronk last week. Yeah, we were so... That, we played like a really, really good pricing. Dude, we played Gronk in every lineup, me and you. Absolutely, every single one. We definitely didn't laugh about this being like 2011 or something. We we were definitely dead on with our Gronk analysis from last podcast. So that's why you tune in every single week to listen to this one. Uh, if you are listening for the first time this week, uh, welcome to the show. Definitely don't listen to the <laughs> Definitely don't verify anything that I just said. Um, I'm actually going to – I was going to talk about TJ Hawkinson here. That feels too easy. Um, I'll make a case for Noah Fant, though, who okay. um, has been – Surprise! Obviously, very involved. We know that this target uh, distribution has been constricted with Jerry Judy out. I love Cortland Sutton's usage from last week, but this is also just a bet on the Teddy Bridge- Bridgewater version of the Broncos' offense. And you know, it's funny because last year, obviously, Drew Locke was throwing twenty plus yards down the field more than any other quarterback. We thought that that was because Drew Locke is Drew Locke, but maybe it's just part of the Broncos offense. Cause Teddy's been slinging it downfield. You know, he's, yeah. he's top three right now in completion percentage over expectation. Uh, I know Noah Fant is questionable right now, but if he plays in this matchup against the jets, where I think the Broncos are going to smoke the jets, man, I mean, give me a break. So yeah, it's a good defensive matchup overall. Um, Fant's getting good usage. He's just $17. I, I like that there. Yeah. Um, I, I like that too. And I, I like the Teddy car. I mean, he's, him and, and that passing game in general were just one that have been popping up as, as a sneaky start or a cheap DFS play. If we look at what worked in the baller last week with all of the uh, very high-scoring offenses and popular quarterbacks, we saw a cheap Teddy stack take down the tournament with the with mini stacks from the other games. So I actually kind of like running that back this week. Yeah, I mean, this, like I said, this offense has been efficient. It's been good. We know that there's a lot of good players there. 
it's surprising. It really, it really is surprising. Not just that they're this good, but again, it's how how they've been good. It was like I said, Cortland Sutton. I almost picked him for for uh, a receiver or flex yeah. spot in this week, just because the target share was great last week. Uh, the fact that he averaged twenty plus air yards per target was insane. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and overall, like I said, this this team has been good. It's been efficient, and really, the the shocking part of it to me is just that they have been throwing the ball downfield like I didn't expect it Teddy Bridgewater has thrown 18% of his passes 20 plus yards down the field like you know Russell Wilson's up there at 20% that and then there's Teddy Bridgewater in terms of guys that have started both games what what what, what are we living in yeah I love it but what, what are we living in? all of a sudden Pat Shermer is, is Daryl Bevel he just wants to chuck the ball downfield and 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 let it rip so who knows Pat Shermer's back man <laughs> yeah. he's, he's he's back <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk cheap tight ends here. Uh, speaking of Pat Shermer, you know, everything in the NFL connects. We're back to Cleveland, his old team. Uh, Austin Hooper down at $12. This <laughs> this is uh, an <laughs> offense that the Cleveland Browns, they're, they're in a pretty good spot this week. But the problem is down uh, Jarvis Landry could possibly be down Odell Beckham. They've already shown heavy tight end usage. Uh, if you look at Sam Hoppins' uh, usage rates on 4 for 4 he has both Hooper and Joku near the top of tight ends in weighted opportunity rating and targets per route run. Um, we saw Higby targeted for Chicago in week one, um, and this is a spot where I think that Baker, when he does throw, he's going to have to lean on his tight ends. We have seen Joku pop a little bit um, but Hooper's been right there in usage so I like Hooper down at $12 to open up some salary this week yeah uh, I'll stay in the $12 range too with the aforementioned Matt Max Williams we talked mm-hmm. about him earlier he popped up last week um, you know he's running a decent amount of routes he's run 46 routes that's ahead of Rondale Moore everybody's uh, new favorite player so uh, Max Williams has been on the field uh, you know he's been, about half of his snaps 54% of his snaps are passing plays so obviously he's going to be down there more in rushing downs overall but it's a, just a cheap dart throw and an attachment to Kyler Murray we talked about at the top about all of the appealing parts about about Kyler Murray's game, how he's throwing it on first down, how he's throwing it more down the field. This is just, a, again, a very cheap way to access some of Kyler's upside. Yeah, that that whole offense, um, I, I think if you are going to play Kyler this week, he's, he's so expensive that you can offset that with – a lot of people are going to try to do it with Rondale, but doing it with Max Williams is, is a really nice way to um, kind of balance out Kyler's really high salary. That's what we in the business call contrarian sort of. uh, <laughs> remember when that was remember when it was like if you played a drinking game back in like dfs podcast in like 2015 you would if you took a shot every time uh someone said contrarian you'd be in the hospital yeah maybe not with a pulse if after a while yeah maybe just take a sip don't take a shot every time you say it anyways uh let's move on to defenses i love your pick right here because um i almost tj almost had the fortitude to put Michael Pittman as my flex play after he had his big breakout week. But then I see headlines this morning that Jacob Eason is going to be potentially splitting work with Brett Hundley. Mm-hmm. And I think the correct move is not to talk about Michael Pittman as a flex play and talk about your pick here for defenses. Yeah, you, we have a defense that is they're only favored by five at home against I guess they're going to be playing against two backup quarterbacks because they're going to be splitting time so usually we're targeting one backup quarterback here we get to play two uh this Titans defense they are top eight in adjusted sack rate according to football outsiders Indy has allowed pressure uh near, near the bottom of the league they are they've allowed the ninth highest adjusted sack rate and I actually think 
Brett is only five here with these backup quarterbacks and the Titans being able to have a, a pretty decent pass rush. I think this can turn into a, a big blowout scenario. I mean, we, we saw Tannehill kind of get it going last week, but it was Derrick Henry that got uh, all the scoring, but, but Tannehill had a really nice passing game yardage-wise. I think this is the game against backup quarterbacks where they just get it all going and get out to a huge league, and those blowout scenarios are where defenses can really blow up. So Titans as home favorites down all the way at the minimum of yeah. $10, and Again, I mentioned Derrick Henry earlier. Defense and, and running back correlate very highly. And I, I think there is a clause in Derrick Henry's contract that he has to go for at least 200 yards in half of his games against his own division, I think. Yes. That's right. Yes. So, so yes. this is going to be one of those games. That's how he hits the bonuses. That's yeah. how he hits the yeah. bonuses. Okay. So shout out to you, Derrick Henry, for hitting the bonuses <laughs> every year. Yeah, I mean, listen... The reason I thought about Michael Pittman still, despite those backup quarterbacks, is that the Titans defense stinks out loud. They're so bad, but those quarterbacks are really bad. The one caveat I'll give on the offensive line for the Colts is that I kind of think it's not a coincidence that every offensive line that Carson Wentz plays behind ends up looking bad because Carson Wentz just takes sacks and takes pressure. Mm -hmm. But I feel like old Brett Hundley and uh, Jacob Eason will, will help us out there, too. So. I'm gonna. I I love your pick here on the Titans. I think I might switch to the Titans in all my lineups. But yeah, I, I was uh, I was gonna bring up that the the sacks are a quarterback stat and the Wentz point. But then I thought, hey, these guys are probably just as bad. They just they can't. Well, they could be. It can always be worse. Don't ever say it can't be worse because it can always be worse. My pick here is a little more straightforward. It's the Raiders at sixteen dollars. Speaking of sacks, our quarterback stat. I don't know in this case if that's the truth because the Dolphins' offensive line stinks. Like there, Brian Flores has called them out. They've called themselves out in in like the press and all that. So pretty problematic. Max Crosby and those guys up front are cooking for the Raiders. Uh, I, I think if you're going to just go with a less risky defense, even though I really, I think I like TJ's pick more than mine. If you're going to go less risky, I think it's the Raiders against uh, Jacoby Brissett starting this week behind a bad offensive line. Yeah. The, they scored the, zero points I was, TJ, I was in the year gonna say the Bills, 2021. The Bills dominated that uh, off the line to, to a point of, um, I mean, it, it wasn't even after halftime, like the shutout almost felt inevitable. That's how much yes. they were dominating. It was, it looked rough for Miami. And yeah, with Brissett back there now, um, I mean, we talked about Teddy Dink and Doug Brissett is he, he might not throw a pass longer than five yards this week. You you can't get shut out in the NFL in 2021, man. Like, give me a break. That is that is beyond pretty hard to do. All right, let's talk about our flex plays here. Uh, I love your your suggestion as well. Yeah, I think the kind of the theme of this this episode is, is we've kind of targeting offenses right now. We talked about Baltimore, talked about um, the Chargers and the Chiefs. You talked about Van Jefferson. I'm going to Robert Woods at $25. He saw just two fewer targets than Cooper Cup last week. He had a 31% target share. He had more air yards than Cooper Cup last week. Again, this is an offense going into the season. I, I think we touched on this briefly last week. We Things that we think we could be pretty confident is this offense is going to be somewhat concentrated pass game between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. It does look like Cooper Cup's going to be the 1A, but people are going to look at the scores last week from Cooper Cup, kind of not look at the fact that him and Robert Woods had pretty much the same usage. You could argue Woods actually had more usage upside last week. And this is a game uh, that you're going to talk about shortly. The scoring environment is very good on both sides of the ball. And I, I like the idea of mini stacking this game because both of the quarterbacks, even though they have a lot of passing upside, um, neither of them are mobile, but you can get correlation in this by just pairing multiple receivers from it. 
yes, uh, we love this game environment. We've been saying that all um, episode, and that is why my flex pick here is Chris Godwin at 22. 22. Uh, by the time you listen to this, you might know whether like Antonio Brown's status, mm-hmm. uh, he's on, been on the COVID list. Uh, if he doesn't play, then obviously the target totals between Gronk, uh, Evans, and Chris Godwin are constricted, and you love that. But either way, been saying it all week, you, you have to just play the Tampa Bay receivers and just like figure it out. And I think Godwin, though, is the one who's going to have the most consistent role. 72 snaps from the slot. He leads the team with 19 targets. Like We're finally kind of seeing the Brady-Godwin connection here. And I mentioned that the Rams' defense probably isn't as good as last year. Even last year when these two teams faced off, Chris Godwin had 10 targets, 7 catches, and a touchdown because he's that quick, short area threat for this team. And he's just a baller. He shouldn't be a 22, man. He should not be a 22. That's uh, that's ridiculous. So uh, I love Chris Godwin as a potential smash play, like with or without Antonio Brown. But obviously, if Antonio Brown is out, then the ceiling is even higher. And we didn't plan this, but if you check out the stacks to target for the Yahoo Baller, article on yahoo by yours truly you might see a mini stack of robert woods and chris godwin well there you go what a we are just on the same wavelength all right let's talk about your fades uh well i'll just give mine first because i think yours are more interesting i just don't really feel too drawn to the bills and washington passing games overall this week there are so many good game environments that we've talked about so many interesting situations that we talked about the one i can't i don't really i don't have a good feeling it's okay to say when you don't know and i really don't know how this bills washington game is going to go i mean taylor heineke my guy, the pride of ODU, uh, is playing extremely well, right? Like, from an efficiency standpoint, he looks good. I mean, but he could still have that crater moment at any point, I think. And yeah. the Bills defense has played well. Obviously, we just talked about what they did to the Dolphins. Like, So I could see Heineke and the Washington offense going either way. I could see, you know, the Bills offense hasn't really quite popped yet. Washington's defense isn't playing up to, persp- to expectation, but they could kick it into high gear at any point. The Bills' offense could kick it into high gear at any point. So because of all these questions, I just didn't feel particularly drawn to any of those passing game players and have just been looking elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's two two defenses that we, we know or expect Washington to have an excellent pass rush. Bills have had an excellent pass rush for uh, through the first couple of weeks, and it just really widens the range of outcomes. Like you mentioned, um, Heineke, obviously, it's, it's a wild card of what we're going to get. Josh Allen is as great and as efficient he's been since the beginning of last year against good pass rushes. I mean, he, he can be careless with that ball. We see him fumble the ball a lot. So it's a game where um, both defenses can, can cause quite a bit of havoc. So I would, I would say the range of outcomes is very wide in this game at the very least. Exactly. I just don't have a good feeling for it. TJ, your fades, as you listed on the doc, Cooper cup, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, correct me if I'm wrong, but your theme basically looks like here, these 1A, 1B receivers that have been white hot to start the year. You obviously talked about Justin Jefferson and Robert Woods. Didn't mention DK Metcalf, but like clearly you're kind of expecting the tide to turn back to these other great players in the passing game. Therefore, these three players that have been, like I said, white hot to start the season are yep. on your fades list. Yep, I, I, I tweeted about it earlier in the week that I'm, I'm calling week three the, the early season reversion week for wide receivers. Um, these are all scenarios, like you said, they're 1B, 1A situations. And Cup, Thielen, Lockett, they've all had pretty much similar usage or even less usage than their teammates, Robert Woods, Justin Jefferson, and DK Metcalf. And what we usually see is that that usage translates to very similar fantasy output. Um, Cup, Thielen, Lockett, they've been on the positive side of the touchdown where their teammates haven't been. So they're all either similarly priced or in Robert Woods' 
uh, case versus Cooper Cup, actually a pretty significant discount to them. DK Metcalf is one more dollar pocket, and uh, Adam Thielen's two more dollars to Jeff- Justin Jefferson. But it's just spots where all three of these 1A, 1B situations have receivers that just haven't performed up to their usage. It's only through two weeks. Um, but we want to hit these spots before they blow up. And it's just all spots where Willis Jefferson and DK are in great high-scoring scenarios, great offenses, efficient passers, uh, and teammates that have really blown up. So it's going to keep their roster rates down. So, I mean, I'm not saying Cup, Thielen, Lockett are bad plays, but we have tremendous opportunity by targeting their yeah. teammates this week. I, I love that. Yeah, it's just the opportunity part of it. And, you know, I, people are – I talk about players that are people are panicking about. A bunch of people are panicking about DK Metcalf. And, like, you always think that people – you always forget how, like, results-based people can be. And then you've got a situation where people are like, oh, DK is not as important in this new offense. He has the same amount of damn targets as Tyra Lockett. Yeah. People are literally freaking yeah. out about it. So the other guy who's been white hot to start this the year, TJ, uh, Debo Samuel. So you're also telling me, Brandon Ayuk, Sunday Night Football is um, happening? Um, <laughs> um. All right. All right. All right. Podcast <laughs> over. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Uh, TJ, tell the people out there if they found this from the Yahoo feed, what what they're going to find on the DFS MVP feed. Yeah, this will also be on the DFS MVP MVP feed. In addition to that, every Friday, we are doing our live stream at 3 p.m. Pacific time where we're covering values across the industry on Sunday mornings, our GPP last look show for our subscribers on Discord. And then Mondays, one of my new favorite shows, Cash Game Lineup Reviews, where we're looking back at Sunday, seeing where we hit, seeing where we missed, seeing where we could change our process. That is at 11 a.m. Pacific time, streaming on YouTube. Absolutely love it. Uh, If you found this from the DFS MVP feed, obviously go check out the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm on two other episodes uh, per week, the midweek Thursday show with Dalton Del Don, where we dive into our advanced stats notebook, the little stats nerd podcast on Thursday, recap Sunday night games, uh, recap all the games on Sunday night with uh, Liz Loza, and there's a bunch of other episodes from a bunch of smarter people all throughout the week, so make sure you subscribe to that. In the meantime, as my dogs are barking here to end the podcast, I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at TJ Hernandez. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.